Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. Our mission is to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness services. Our vision, healthy and educated communities where dreams become reality. We hope today's episode and every episode of Leadership Matters offers value-added and thought-provoking ideals for advancing, emerging, as well as current leaders. Today, I'm really excited about our topic. I, you know, I, I uh, get so excited about so many of these topics, but this one, I tell you, I can't wait to hear more and more about it. It's mindful self-compassion and leadership. And with us to help us have this um, fabulous conversation is Verna Jaggers. Thank you so much for joining us, Verna. You're welcome, and thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this subject I'm so passionate about. Yes, and so Verna is a mindfulness teacher and a personal and professional development coach. Verna, would you share more about your background just so that our audience kind of gets a perspective of what you bring and the perspective that you bring and how you're connected to this topic? Sure. So I come from a leadership background in a corporation, in multiple corporations in San Diego, And I realized toward the end of my career with the last one that I was so passionate about coaching and saw such a great need for it that I would branch out on my own and start my own coaching business. And then as I was doing that, I realized that a lot of my clients were experiencing really um, not-so-friendly inner critics. And then I realized, oh, so am I. So I started down this avenue of mindful self-compassion to learn how to develop my own practice of being kind to myself and also to help my clients develop their practice of being kinder to themselves. Wonderful. So when we, you know, think about this term, mindful self-compassion, like what is it? Well, mindful self-compassion, I'll just start back with the development of it. It's an Mm -hmm. empirically supported concept, and it's designed to cultivate the skill of self-compassion, of course. It's based on some groundbreaking research done by Kristen Neff, along with the clinical expertise of a, a a psychologist named Christopher Germer. It is designed to teach core principles and practices to enable people to respond to difficult moments in their lives with kindness, care, and understanding. I like to call it an adventure and an experiment because it's interesting as we go along, not really knowing what's going to be around the corner, when we come to it, come to those events in our lives with this open-mindedness and this self-compassion, we find that we can really deepen and our self-discovery and have self-transformation. It's called being in a state of loving, connected presence. And it also encourages us to be slow and kind learners, which I love because that's the kind of learner I am. Okay, great. So when we're connecting this uh, mindful self-connect, uh, self-compassion to leadership, what's the link? How does it relate to leadership? 
Well, what I have found in my own life and in the lives of my clients is that it really improves our listening skills. When the, when the sound of the inner critic is not so loud, we can actually listen to other people, which is always an effective skill for a leader. It also helps us understand where we're coming from as a leader as we're listening to somebody else. Like, for instance, somebody says something that to them is a great idea, but when we hear it, it triggers an emotion or something that is steeped in our background. When we use mindful self-compassion, we can identify that. We can recognize that, which allows us to take more effective action. Wonderful. And so um, if you were to maybe boil it into a nutshell, maybe not so much, but just say, um, so mindful compassion, um, it improves a person's effectiveness as a leader because it helps to improve their listening skills. It helps them to better understand perhaps where they're coming from as a leader. Anything else you'd add to how this could be helpful? And maybe this is implied a little bit in the previous comment, Mm -hmm. but it really helps us deepen our self-awareness. And that's always an important characteristic for a leader to embrace, Mm -hmm. to really understand what's going on internally. Mindful Mm -hmm. self-compassion is so helpful to support that. Mm -hmm. And I want to dig a little deeper there, just stay there with regards to the um, importance of self-awareness for leaders. Could you say more about that? Sure, sure. So when we are trying to, it's, it's, it's really helpful when we are trying to motivate people to innovate. So when we become more aware of what drives us to maybe stifle that, we can help people in an in a motiva- um, excuse me an innovative situation or i'm thinking of what i'm thinking of is a corporation that really wants to develop new product let me just get kind of specific to that what can happen sometimes when a leader is not self aware is not self aware one of the people on their team might suggest a really great idea well the leader might feel like they need to come up with the, all the ideas they might have a sense of themselves that if they don't come up with all the ideas that they're not an effective leader. And so because they feel that way, they might stifle innovative ideas in the workplace. So when you become more self-aware, you can actually, over time, call out, oh, that's me feeling like I need to make all the decisions and come up with all the ideas in my organization. Let me take a little breath calm myself down, and maybe ask a question to kind of further the explanation that my staff member might be trying to provide to me. Okay, great. And I love that because I think um, so often uh, sometimes um, leaders may start with uh, trying to manage the things around them, lead others around them, and what keeps getting in the way and they're stumbling, it's not others around them that they're trying to manage or lead. It's about not having the self-awareness to manage themselves. And That's right. And um, kind of get in tune with their own sense of vision and how it is helping or maybe stifling 
where it is they're trying to go. So I love that um, idea of deepening our self-awareness so that we are better able to self-manage, self-regulate, and self-lead so then we can be effective when we branch out into a space of trying to do the dance with and um, manage and lead with others. Right, because if you can imagine, and I'm, I don't know if you've been there, but I have been there, where I reflect back and realize when I said a certain thing or took a certain action, I was really not aware of why I was doing that. And then when I learned to reflect back on that, then I could actually come back to the person I had addressed and correct myself. Well, when you're not self-aware and you're not practicing mindful self-compassion, sometimes that feeling of vulnerability will not allow you to go back and correct the action you are you you just took. Hmm. Yeah. No. I I um, can definitely uh, appreciate that, and I think we can all think of leaders, and even moments probably for ourselves when we um, did something, and. Um, didn't re- couldn't really put our finger on why we did it, but if we went back and thought about it, may have taken a different action mm-hmm. uh, in that moment. You know, I think of um, of this uh, mindful self compassion as you're um, describing it, also just being critical to our journey uh, in being ethical leaders. I think of ethical leadership and ethical leaders as someone who's um, making decisions. Uh, for the better and, you know, for the betterment um, of others, you know, helping make things more fair, helping things be more humane. And I think if we aren't aware of ourselves and we don't get self out of the way, so to speak, uh, it can perhaps impact our ability to um, effectively consider our duty toward others. Yes, and I would just add to that, too, that it helps us, if we aren't self-aware, then we're not really going to be as effective at being aware of what others are going through, like mm-hmm. watching for signs mm-hmm. that somebody's struggling or that somebody's making a decision that isn't helpful for the organization. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah. No, I think all these things are connected. I also think of... Um, being able to connect with others means that we first have that connection with ourselves. And so we, uh, and it certainly increases our emotional intelligence. Uh, That's I think right. it's another thing that just kind of comes to mind as to how this might be helpful uh, for leaders. So any other um, benefits you might think of as relates to just practicing mindful self-compassion, like why? What's the benefit? What's one the other, we've talked one about other I'll mention is that mm-hmm. um, in a leadership role, being able to network with others and work with others in relationships is so critically important. Sometimes when we're leading people, we think that because we're their leader, they have to do what we say. But we know that it goes much further than just the people who report to us or that we actually lead on paper. <laughs> It mm-hmm. also applies through our relationships across organizations when we're trying to garner cooperation and mm-hmm. working to, working well together. Yeah. And so, so you know, that's one of the one of the benefits I, of mindful self compassion, where that's related, where that comes so into you know play. What, Berna, I'm hearing is that when we're building relationships with other people. 
Mm-hmm. Fern, I don't want we, to um, lose what you're saying, but i got to put a comma right there because I hear that we're going to go to commercial break. But when we come back, I want to pick up right where you are, just have to maybe restate that and go right into what you were um, just flowing into saying. And we'll also really look at how is mindful, um, I mean, how is this mindful self-compassion also associated with emotional well-being and maybe some of the things that help us to... Um, be stable in that space as leaders um, as well. So please stay with us. We'll be right back with Verna on this topic of mindful self-compassion. Leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Does your organization lack proper leadership? We're not necessarily talking about experience, but about how to face the changing dynamic of leadership today. Sometimes the people we lead know more. Old ways don't work anymore, and the comfort zone just becomes too easy. Listen for Out of the Comfort Zone with Dr. Wanda Wallace. We'll show you how you can adapt and develop your leadership skills to today's workplace. Every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. How is your work-life balance? In most businesses, no matter where you are positioned, there is always room for improvement. If you're an executive, learn insight about your business. Are you an employee? Learn how to better work with your team. Even if you're not in business, you can learn where your strengths and weaknesses can be played to their best potential. The Work-Life Balance with host Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. For those who are just joining us, I'm Cheryl White. And on the line, we also have Verna Jaggers. Verna is a mindfulness teacher and a personal and professional development coach. Today we're talking about mindful self-compassion and its connection to leadership. 
I think before we went to break, uh, Verna, you were explaining how mindful self-compassion can really support um, our ability to collaborate. I'm going to just have you pick up from there. Sure. And so I, the, the words that keep coming to my mind is getting out of our own way. When we're attempting to collaborate, there's already enough difficulty going on often with relationships because we're trying to figure out this other person's inflections in their voice and their body language and how they look at the work. And if we can get out of our own way so that the noise in our head isn't interfering even more and then we become critical of ourselves, which causes us to be critical of others, I find that using mindful self-compassion techniques really helps me just get out of my own way so I can really focus on the other person and keep my mind on the outcomes that I'm looking for with this collaboration. Wonderful. I think that's great. You know, I could um, see the connection between the self-compassion and our own um, emotional well-being. Can you say a little bit more about that? Yes, uh, there's been a lot of research done around this subject because it's it's relatively new. Probably the last five or six years, it's it's become a, a topic of conversation. So there's been a lot of research done on it, and they're finding this. The researchers are finding that, and I have found this in my own life and in the lives of the people who attend my my classes, that we notice a reduction in anxiety and depression and some and really a great impact on stress. We find that this stress reduces because we're no longer feeling and behaving as critical of ourselves. So we're not as worried if we make a mistake. Because often when we make a mistake that will cause us to have anxiety or embarrassment or even some for some people depression when we make a mistake because in our heart of hearts, we want to be perfect. And in using mindful self-compassion, we realize that there's really no need to be perfect. We just need to show up as ourselves, and it reduces the anxiety. And the other thing that it does is, it, and I might have mentioned this before, it allows us to take helpful action. Whereas when we get caught up in the anxiety, depression, and stress, of working with others or making mistakes, it's really hard to come back with something that's helpful. We tend to instead ruminate or worry and feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, when we kind of think about that, it, you know, when we um, step back, I mean, I'm wondering, what do you think causes a person to not be compassionate or to be so hard on themselves or others? Well, there's there's some um, there's quite a bit of study on this, and so I'll just mention a couple of things. So, we, when we are critical of ourselves, we enable and we tap into the body's threat defense system, which some people call our reptilian brain. Um, it's the amygdala, and when we engage that system we release cortisol and adrenaline to get ready for the, to fight, to flee, or to freeze. And so usually the voice that we hear, we've heard before, it's usually a very familiar voice. It's usually the voice of a caretaker that we've had 
in the past at some time. And the, the, the role of this inner critic or this, um, when we are unable to have self-compassion, the role is to protect ourselves. So that this amygdala is engaged, we're releasing uh, chemicals in our body that are there so that we can protect ourselves. So it's a very natural state to get into. It's just not super helpful at times. When we are in a real dangerous, physically dangerous situation, yes, that helps us to take care of business, whether that's to run away or to fight back, whatever it is. But mostly nowadays, we don't, uh, well, maybe I shouldn't say that. Some people still do encounter a lot of physical danger. But in the workplace, we're mostly encountering what we perceive to be danger to our ourselves or our reputation. And so this critical voice makes itself known and it causes us to behave in a way that is not super helpful. But when we use mindful self-compassion, we become aware that that voice is there. We can hear it. We can identify it. And then we can breathe through it. I'll be explaining later some techniques on how to engage mindful self-compassion. But first I'd like to mention another another thing that happens to us in addition to the inner critic. Okay. We, we have what's called a default mode network in our brain, and brain researchers have identified it as an interconnected network of brain regions. And it's active when the mind's at rest and inactive when the mind is engaged in a task. And like I said, it's called the, the default mode network. What the, it's located right down the middle of the brain, if you can imagine a mohawk. And you can look at it online. There's some really cool pictures of it. It goes from the front to the back, and it's, these, it's just firing at all times when we're inactive. It does three things. It creates a sense of self. It projects that self into the past, into the future, and it looks for problems. So as you can tell, we're pretty hardwired for survival, not necessarily for happiness. So with mindful self-compassion and specifically mindfulness meditation, they're finding that it deactivates that defense mode network, not only while you're meditating, but also in a resting state where it's typically triggered into action. So it's pretty fascinating. But those are a couple Mm -hmm. of reasons why we can tend not to be um, kind to ourselves. Okay. And what would be those reasons why we would not be kind to ourselves? Well, we're, we're kind of hide, hardwired not to be kind to ourselves and to be critical to protect ourselves. Okay. And different people have had different experiences in their lives. So sometimes it's actually they were told that they were not good enough or whatever was the, were those critical words that actually came to them from a caregiver. And other times it's because we, we so desire to be perfect. We want everybody to think that there's nothing wrong, there's nothing going on with us. And so we will develop this defense mechanism to protect ourselves and we end up beating ourselves up, which actually has the opposite effect. But we don't know that until we become aware of it. 
Good. And then you said that there was a third reason? Or is it primarily uh, those two? Just those are the two that I wanted to Those are the two primary ones. Okay, so yeah. that's suffering from perfection, you know, wanting to be uh, and project perfection. And then you may have some messages from caregivers that are we're playing over and over again in our in mm-hmm. our minds. Um, is that what I'm hearing? Were those right? Two? Those are usually okay. the two typical um, perfectionism is is uh, often often people who are even raised in the most caring uh, homes with really kind words will, might still have this. Oh, now I need to deserve all that kindness, so I'm going to try to be perfect. And they try mm-hmm. to be perfect by beating themselves up. Mm-hmm. So. Um, Verna, are there any, like, misgivings about um, mindful self-compassion that we should just be aware of that might be out there? Yeah, so I, I teach a class in this, and so I always ask my class, well, when you started to take the class, what were some of the misgivings that came to mind? Or maybe when you told a friend or family member that you were going to take this class, what did they say about it? And one of the um, things that pops up a lot for people is self-pity. And we'll go through the different components of mindful self-compassion later possibly, but um, people who, who practice self-compassion, they realize that everyone suffers, not just us. So it's more of a, a compassion for the world rather than self-pity. Mm-hmm. And the researchers okay. find that people who practice self-compassion are more likely to engage in perspective-taking rather than focusing on their own distress, like they'll mm-hmm. look out and see the bigger picture, and they're also less likely to ruminate on how bad things are. And again, I keep mm-hmm. using the word action, but it's so important they're able to take some action when they notice something that's really going on, not... It has nothing to do with self-pity. Another um, thing that I've heard a lot is uh, that it shows that you're weak. Mm. In truth, self-compassion is a strength that offers resilience when faced with difficulty. And the researchers are showing that people are better able to cope with tough situations like divorce, trauma, and chronic pain. So it's very, very powerful. There's nothing weak about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's well, two more. I, uh, that I, oh, there's two more misgivings, if I may. Yeah, you know what? We I'm hearing that we need to go to break again, but I tell okay, you what, perfect. when we get back on the other side of this commercial break, I'll look forward to hearing the other two um, misgivings as well as what are those elements of mindful of self-compassion and how does one go about practicing it. So please stay perfect. with us. We'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters. Informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. 
Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at innovisions.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. The pace of change in the world is increasing exponentially and shows no signs of slowing down. Leadership is evolving and requires more and more innovative leaders to keep up. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf features interviews with global business leaders, thought leaders, and academics in a wide range of industries. Proven concepts and tools may be applied to build your organization and deliver sustainable success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Trends in global business are changing all the time. It used to only be worrying about your competitor across the street, but now that competitor may be across the world. On Global Business with Mahesh Joshi, we discuss the trends in global business, plus issues and solutions that business leaders face today. Each show is guaranteed to teach you something that you didn't know before about global business. Listen live every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. Hi, we're back with more on Leadership Matters. I'm Cheryl White with the Neighborhood House Association. Very glad to have Verna um, Jackers with us today talking about mindful self-compassion. And Verna, I know before we went to break, you were in the midst of sharing some misgivings about mindful self-compassion. You had shared two, and I think you said there were two more, so I'd like to just have you pick up with where you left off. Sure, thank you. And the reason why I'd like to mention these four is because they come up in almost every class that I have. So the third one that I hear a lot is making excuses. And the, the reason why that's not, doesn't really um, happen when somebody who's really practicing self-compassion is because it provides a safe, the safety needed to admit mistakes rather than needing to blame someone or something else for the mistakes. So a person might be perceived as making an excuse when they say, oh, I did that because of this. And they're open and vulnerable to, to express that. And so that might be why people think it's making an excuse. Um, but the research shows that self-compassionate people, they take greater personal responsibility for their actions and are more likely to apologize if they've offended someone. Mm-hmm. And then the fourth uh, that's 
really common to hear is that it undermines motivation. And what we find is that self-criticism actually undermines self-confidence and leads to a fear of failure. And that kind of brings in that desire to be perfect, the perfectionism. That's, the, that's what people don't want is they don't want to fail. And so we're finding that um, self, with self-criticism that that's there. And then with, with mindful self-compassion, there is more motivation. And motivation with self-compassion comes for the de- from the desire for health and well-being and provides the emotionally supportive environment needed for change. And so if you think about the impact of a harshly critical coach versus a kind and supportive and encouraging coach, say out on the ball field or wherever you've seen either yourself or your children being coached, um, probably the people who are kind and supportive but but direct are the ones that have been more effective than the ones that yell at you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great. So, uh, Bern, I know previously you said that there were um, some elements of mindful um, self-compassion. May I would just maybe go into talking about the elements of mindful self-compassion. What are they, our components? So Kristen Neff, in her research, identified three elements of self-compassion. And they are self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. Okay. So I'll just Can we find make... these a little bit? Good, good. Thank you. I was going to ask you to do that. Mm-hmm. Sure. So uh, self-kindness, if you pay attention, you might notice that you treat yourself more harshly than you would a friend. And with mindful self-compassion, we learn to treat ourselves as if we are our best friend or as we would a friend. And then over time, we notice when we're speaking harshly to ourselves and then remember that it's helpful to maybe change that, uh, the tone of the voice, the approach, the actual words, when we shift that to the way we would do talk to a friend it reduces the feeling of abnormality because if you if you um, if you're harsh to yourself, then that means that you think that there's something wrong. And normally when we're talking to a friend, we might notice that there's something going on with them, but because we have kindness and, and we want the best for them, we speak to them differently. Mm, okay. uh, so second component is common humanity, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which just, realizes that others are suffering too. And sometimes what we like to do is we like to compare our suffering with others. So I've heard so many people say, oh, but what I'm going through isn't as critical as what this other person is going through. But with mindful self-compassion, we just remember, we know that everybody suffers in their own way. And so when we see our own struggles or failures, we realize that other people are going through the same experiences and it reduces the feeling, again, of abnormality because that could be very isolating. So this Mm -hmm. is where it kind of goes back to that connectedness that we talked about earlier. Okay. And then the third component is mindfulness. And what mindfulness does is it allows us to notice our own painful feelings and be with them as they are and provide comfort. 
and care. Notice that I didn't say it makes them go away, although people have said, and I in my life have noticed their reduction, but it's really to just be aware of them and provide comfort and care. And it's a balanced state of awareness where we don't suppress or avoid what we're feeling, but we also don't become carried away with the dramatic storyline of what's happening. And what happens is we, we notice that there is a reduction in the emotional reaction to a situation when we're able to apply mindfulness and be present. Okay, so when we think about, um, you say, those three elements of being kind to ourselves, realizing that, you know, we are not suffering alone and that Mm -hmm. there's a sense of common uh, humanity and um, we become more mindful um, and present in the moment of accepting the experience. Um, Those three elements, how might we go about just really practicing this mindful self-compassion? Yes, so there are several ways that we can do this. And I teach these in the class, but I teach formal and informal. So these are things that you can practice in your everyday life. Uh, uh, Meditation is is very much involved in mindful self-compassion, but there's ways where you sit to meditate and there's ways that you carry it around with you. It's very portable. And so as we talked earlier about self-compassion, it's treating ourselves as we would, as if we were a dear friend, until we actually feel that way. So people will notice a shift as they continue to pay attention to how they're speaking to themselves. They might notice a shift. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling much more um, kind and kind-hearted toward myself. Mm-hmm. And so when you, and, when you talk about um, meditation, how does one... You know, what would you say? What's the essence of how one maybe practices meditation? And So in, in the way I teach it, there's no right or wrong way. There are some uh, methods of meditation that have very strict guidelines that you follow, and they're not really guidelines. They're kind of rules. So I set up the guidelines, and then people can adapt to their best ability. So... What the meditation in this program or what I teach looks like is where you sit comfortably in whatever position, whether it's lying down or seated in a chair or on the floor, whatever is comfortable, and then you notice where your body connects with that surface. So right now I'm sitting in a chair, so I can feel the backs of my thighs against the chair. I can feel my my back, my shoulders are against the chair, my arm is rested on the armrest, that is bringing me into a meditative present state. And then I encourage people to pay attention to their breath and notice it, breathing in and breathing out. And then I ask people to pay attention to their thoughts because that, that default mode network, it has us thinking about the past and the future, so we're not trying to stop thinking We're trying to notice that we're thinking and not necessarily thinking about the breath. And then I might encourage somebody to take what they're thinking and put it on, imagine that they're by the edge of water and there's a a bunch of leaves that are floating down the stream and, oh, let me take that thought and put it on the leaf and let it float on down the stream. It might come back the same thought. You might let it go a few times, but just being aware that it's our natural state to be thinking, 
But in that mm-hmm. moment of a formal meditation, we're, we're trying to just be present, notice our breath, know that we're in this room, that we're not at this moment trying to um, fix something that's broken in our workplace. We're just really focused on being present. So that would be a, a formal, what I would call a formal method, and it can last anywhere from five to ten minutes. Doesn't have to be. We don't have to meditate for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And it can be done so at different would, times of the day that work for you. Yes. And then are there other um, practices you can share with us with regards to um, practicing mindful self-compassion? Other practices come to mind? Yeah. So one, one thing so that comes to my I actually, mind. We're going to go to commercial break. Okay. But when we come back, I'm going to ask you to share that. So I want you to keep it in mind. And... Um, we have to do another commercial break, but as soon as we come back, I'm going to ask you just to share another tip with us with regards to how to go about practicing mindful self-compassion. So with, stay with us. We'll be right back with Verna talking about mindful self-compassion on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is drwhite at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Shube, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar. If you have a question or comment about today's program, 
please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to leadershipmatters at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. All right. Welcome back to Leadership Matters. Today we're discussing mindful self-compassion. I'm Cheryl White with the Neighborhood House Association. And I have with me Verna Jaggers, mindfulness teacher, personal and professional development coach. Um, Verna, I know before we went to break, you were talking to us about some practices as relates to practicing mindful self-compassion. We had just, um, I think, gone through uh, meditation as one, and maybe if you could perhaps share a couple more. Sure, sure. So the next one I like to, I really practice this one, and I encourage people to, I'm going to hope that you can get a visualization of it, but when we go through emotional situations where there's difficult and strong emotions, we can pay attention to where we feel those in our body. So one example for me is often I will feel a little bit of a tightness in my heart region. So you can bring what we call a soothing touch to that area, and all you do is you take your hand and you place it where you feel it in your body. And so sometimes this is a little more difficult to do if you're in front of somebody and you feel triggered and there's a, you're having a physical reaction. But if you can, if not, you could do it later. You could bring that back up and bring a soothing touch to that place in your body where you feel this difficult emotion. And you might say some kind and soothing words like, this is a moment of suffering, this really hurts, etc. Whatever comes up for you to bring some physical soothing touch to the area of your body where you feel the difficult emotion. Our bodies tell us things often before our brain does, so that's why I really encourage people to pay attention to the way their bodies feel and address mm-hmm. that with some self-care. Another, uh-huh. another informal practice that I've taught very successfully, especially to leaders who are going from one meeting to the next, what I noticed, especially when I was following one leader around, is he would be very upset in one meeting and bring that with him to the next meeting. And it always took him about 10 minutes to settle down and focus on the current meeting. And when you're going to eight meetings a day, you cannot afford to lose the first 10 or 15 minutes while you're trying to simmer down from the previous one. So, And simmering down might sound like it was upsetting, but even processing thoughts, sometimes we continue to process thoughts, in the next meeting. So what I, encourage, what I encourage this one leader to do and what I encourage myself and others to do is to pay attention to your feet. So right now I'm walking from one meeting to the next, or even if you're calling in, right now I'm between meetings. I'm going to pay attention to my feet on the floor. That can be while you're walking or while you're seated. And, and is bring the that energy there, down. Verna, let me just pause for a second. Is the intent sure. there that they are disconnecting from the emotional charge from the previous meeting? What's, what do you think is happening that that's helpful for them to pay attention to, you know, our feet yes, while we're transitioning yes. to the next phase? Yes, that's a great way to surmise that. So 
they had an emotional reaction, either negative or because they're very passionate, and they're unable to disconnect and, and notice that they have not disconnected from the previous meeting. So using the, what I call a walking meditation, when others call it a walking meditation, you realize that, oh, I'm, I'm here, I'm present, I'm headed to another meeting. And what is interesting is those thoughts that you had in the previous meeting can come to you later when it's a better time for you to reflect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good. I mean, I think that those are very um, helpful uh, tips. What's the mindset around self-compassion? You know, we, when I'm telling myself to be kind to myself, I, I think the premise is, you know, you said, well, the same kindness you would show someone else. What if we have someone that is um, just uh, very critical of self and very critical of others? How do, how do they shift from that space of, um, of being so critical to be able to um, show kindness? Any thoughts? I th- yeah, I have a couple of thoughts. So usually people who are in leadership roles especially, but it could happen to anybody, who are hypercritical of themselves or, and or others are finding that that's not working for them. So there's a burning platform, if you will, a need for change. That would be like your first step. And then that next thing that I have already met, the next thing that I've already mentioned is being self-aware. So we don't even know often that we are judging and critical of ourselves and others until we're paying attention. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when we start doing that, so when there's the need for change, we start becoming aware. Then we can see a way through, and we can see opportunities and possibilities. Whereas mm-hmm. when we're caught up in that critical, that critical state where nobody's doing anything right, including myself, it's much harder to come up with possibilities that aren't self-directed. Like you'll mm-hmm. see leaders say, oh, here's what we're going to do, and they'll just go do it, even though nobody else in the room is involved or agrees with it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I, um, how does patience with self and others connect with that? When we realize that, I, I like to focus on common humanity, that element mm-hmm. of mindful self-compassion. Mm-hmm. When we realize that others are being hard on themselves as well, Mm-hmm. We can then, over time, it's not a it's not an immediate thing, but over the time over time of practicing this, we can realize, oh, I need to be patient with that person because they too are feeling the same way that I'm feeling. I need to be patient with myself because I would like to take action that is beneficial and helpful for myself and my team, others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's another act of compassion. So, mm-hmm. Verna, if our listening audience would like to get in touch with you, um, you know, kind of following this segment, how might someone reach out to learn more about this topic of mindful self-compassion? Well, I have three ways. Um, I have a website. It's called Jaggers with the letter N, harmony.com. You can t- contact me through there. Um, I'm more than happy to give out my phone number, so if a person wants to text me or call me, my number is 619-847-4778, 
And then I'm also available through email, and it's Verna, V-E-R-N-A, at jaggersandharmony.com. I try to respond within 24 hours. Sometimes I'm able to respond sooner, but if I'm busy with clients or teaching a class, then I, I do that. You know, but within 24 hours, I can get back to people. Awesome. That is um, really appreciated. So, Verna, um, are there any maybe final thoughts or tips you might offer our listening audience regarding leadership and mindful self-compassion? Um, One thing I don't think I mentioned that's so important, and that's that we find people who practice mindful self-compassion are more likely to give themselves what we call self-care in the form of exercise, meditation, listening to music, visiting with loved ones, walking in nature. So that is one of the things that I encourage people to do as they start developing the practice of mindful self-compassion is to be really aware of their self-care. Wonderful. I think all of those have been just really, um, I think, valuable pieces to ponder. I I know that um, positive change really can happen when we're kinder to ourselves and kinder to others. And I like to think of... um, Compassion as being love and action. So it's, you know, mm-hmm. our being patient and kind and encouraging and empowering. I think all that goes a long way when we direct it toward ourselves and when we direct it uh, toward others to produce some positive outcomes. Beautifully said. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it has just been a pleasure having you on the, um, the show today. And um, just look forward to your coming back and sharing with us again. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you. So, And thank you also to our listening audience for being with us. Tune in every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White, Linda Schub, Gerald McFadden, Andre Howard, Tom Wall, and Rihanna Absar is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter. Matter.